Hello, I'm Derek Wheatley and welcome to episode 159 of the Weekly Weekly Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, always want to say thanks very much to our last guest, uh, Eleanor McSherry, who came on and talked about uh, the she's head of the uh, autism studies down in the UCC. Got a bit of chat about that, about her son being diagnosed, diagnosed and herself being diagnosed. And then we really got into a, a great conversation about um, neurodiversity on film. And she has this course that's going on uh, down in Cork. And you should really just go into Cork website, uh, sorry, the UCC website, have a look at it um, because it's really um, excellent idea. Uh, and the first of its kind, actually, which is which, uh, is great. So, uh, yeah, let's get into uh, this week's episode. Um our guest is a, a Wim Hof Method instructor and the man behind Breathe Trust Flow. And his name is Patrick Douglas. How are you doing, Patrick? How's it going, Derek? How are you? Are you well? I'm very well, thank you very much. Um, I just I didn't say before we start recording. I really liked your your. Is it what is it a rug? One of those wall rug things behind you? Uh, the the yeah. Um, that's just up in the wall. They, they do a lot of work at home, so just the the it's good on the synthetics and the for the oil, you know. It's yeah. comfortable. It is. It's it's kind of nice. It's kind of, it's captivating, but not distracting. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I think it's yeah, a yeah. <laughs> the, the, the lotus flower, the Dalai Lama, the the geometrical shape in it that just calms the eye. Yeah, it's really nice. I'm actually, you know, I think I could do one maybe here somewhere. But um, listen, Patrick, as you know, we always start at the very beginning. If you wouldn't mind, could you give us a history of your upbringing, please? Upbringing, yeah. Um, born and raised in Ballymun. Um, a well-to-do family. We had electricity. We had heating. <laughs> we had food on the table. Um, uh, six siblings, uh, mother and father. Um, got educated. Uh, the Lady of Victories and the Ballymun Camp. Um, upbringing was um, I was protected a lot by my family, uh, so I wasn't wouldn't have been exposed to uh, the the drugs, the violence, the crime. Um, that would have been in Ballymun at the, at the time when I was growing up. So I was fairly protected um, by that. I have a strong unit in the family, um, not just my siblings and mother and father, but uh, cousins, aunties and uncles. Uh, we're a very close family, so like that, you know. Friends yeah. in Ballymun. Yeah. My family growing up with my cousins and stuff like that would have been uh, friends as well. Do you Did you find when you were growing up that people uh, looked on you a little differently because of you know, how people saw Ballymun at the time? Yeah, 100%, yeah. I always got that. Um, I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have bothered me. It mainly because, I can't, again, I come from a strong family, so it wouldn't have bothered me in that sense, but uh, it would have been worse going back to uh, my older brothers and sister. And then, obviously, well, my man, dad, my dad's from uh, East Wall, my man's from Shadow Street, so they were um, well able to look after themselves. Speak, you know? Yeah, I I remember because uh, I uh, went to school in in Sword, so not too too far away from from Ballymun, and uh, yeah. I remember there was that kind of idea about Ballymun, like you know, uh, and there were certain places because we played in the north north uh, side football league, you know, so we used to travel to to Ballymun play there, and there was there was a kind of a preconceived kind of notions about Ballymun and about places like Darndale, and you know, mm-hmm. there were certain places where it was like, oh God, you can't go there and stuff. It was always. Yeah. It was and and it's it's sad uh, looking back now as how we saw it because of all the good that comes out of Ballymun and came out of Ballymun and you know the places where we thought like oh god you can't go into those places you know yeah and, outside of it you don't see it for what it is but when you're actually in it you're just like yeah you know you know have to look at yourself you know it's more so the pockets that's all it was you know what I mean and uh, to be honest with you it just takes um, one person to 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 make one uh, one family estate where people are living, it just takes one person to make that road inaccessible for people that don't know about it because they told a story that happened on it because of such and such. But then when you have pockets of people throughout an area that fundamentally got, got let down by the system, um, got left behind and just that whole, the whole build-up and the construction of Ballymore got a lot of people and dumped them on top of each other and let them just pan it out for themselves. Yeah. And then when drugs came on the scene in Dublin, um, it was the go-to, really. Yeah, um, absolutely. Wasn't, yeah. wasn't amenities out there for young children, teenagers growing up, and drugs was on the scene, uh, unfortunately. And that was just what was done. Yeah. You know? Um. So when did you first become aware of mental health then? 
Um, it's funny because it was a it was a professional toy boxer for eight years, and uh, the mental strength that I needed for that, uh, for the training seven days a week, for fighting and competing, uh, the diet regime, and also then the sacrifice. And I was doing it from the early twenties, uh, early no early twenties, uh, late early twenties then. Um, so I sacrificed a lot throughout that. Um, but it was all for a better, it was all coming from a good place. But throughout the whole time, I never I never got the full uh, concept or grasp of mental health. Um, I just knew I wasn't feeling good before I joined Toy Boxing and I was feeling good after I joined it. So it was a, it was a no-brainer. Just keep going back to Toy Boxing because I feel good with it. Um, and then lo and behold, you're good at it. You get out the fight. You start competing amateur. And then for me, the next thing was, was, it was literally um, my dogma. It was what I was doing. It was my life. Um, it literally came number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and still mental health wasn't called upon. Mental health wasn't there. I had a very stern, regimental mindset back then. Um, I, hadn't got to, I hadn't got the awareness of what it's like to have a uh, dysfunctional mental health or uh, anxiety or depression. I hadn't got much awareness of that at all. Uh, but it was only when I stopped fighting um, and that's because I just came to the realisation that because I, I have a, a now at the time he was three but now he's eight years of age my son and I just see me that I just haven't got a strong relationship with him and I'm thinking how long am I going to be doing toy boxing for before I get a relationship with my son Reuben and by that time it could be he could be five or six and you've lost a significant moment in his life and then I'm trying to crawl it back looking at him thinking that he's still two three years of age but he's like Five, six, seven, going on eight, and I'm like, oh, I treat him still like a baby. Um, so when that happened, when that realization happened, I knocked the, the fighting on the head, and then I can only really say it was in 2017 when uh, mental health came into play for me, because I got the, I got to really feel and go through nearly two years of uh, anxiety, depression, uh, wear the mask, drink, thank God I didn't affiliate myself with drugs because I don't know if we're still here. Um but drink, uh, yeah, it was a go to for me. Um I'd like to say I had a handle on it, but when it came to Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, if someone was doing something I was ill. So it was the go to for two years for me and anyway, especially eight years of professional fighting and to start tone the drink like that when I used to be training. Um it just suppressed everything that was basically uh holding back and it really all came to head then in 2019 with me. And uh, when it came to head, it's like the walls came falling down. Um, just I had to accept everything where it was and where I didn't want to be. And everything that I went through, I had to accept it all. And accepted it through, uh, again, going back to mental health, it was all down to awareness of like, I'm going through something. I don't know what I'm going through and I don't know how to handle it to then actually admit that I need help. And uh, it was from 2017 to 2000. 19, to start of 2019 when I was going through that phase uh, and then I got the awareness of how important it is regarding mental health and regarding looking after your health and regarding speaking, regarding living a, a healthy life, not suppressing anything I got to learn it uh, throughout 2019 and throughout, throughout 2019 I started in a relationship with myself, I started looking after myself, I started speaking out um, about mental health within myself and in my own personal circles mm-hmm. Um I started getting into cold water therapy through sea swimming. Reluctantly, uh, at first, I just was only I was only going down because my brother Ray, uh, he would have been going down with his friends, and I was seeing him coming in lit up, happy. And at the time, the two of us, and even now, we're still living together. But at the time, um, we only started living together. So uh, when he came in, I was just looking at him, saying you're looking different, feeling different, sounding different, and he's always telling me to get down to sea, get down to sea, and I'm like, no, I'm not going down to sea, not to be walking all day, and now I'm going to watch the telly. And like that, he's coming in happy, and I'm sitting there miserable. I look back and say, I can say that now, because that's how it was. At the time, I thought it was normal. Um, but then one day, seeing that it was really a, a rough patch, and he just goes, come down with me. You don't have to get in. You can just come down, Limo, Richie and all. They're all going to be down there, so you can have a chat with them if you want. So uh, when we all the way down I have swimming gear to get in and the whole up all the way down I was just reluctant to get down and uh, when it came to actually getting into sea they were all changed and all getting in and like that 
tippy toe in and cursing the world, blaming the world, blaming everybody, blaming your brother, blaming the sea for being cold, um, everything. So then eventually, then I grew up to me wasting it. I'm still cursing the world. And um, my friend just goes to me, count backwards from five, four, three, two, one. And that's what I did. And by the time I did that, my head was under the water. And when I came back up, that's when uh, the relationship between me and me happened, but also the relationship between me and the sea happened. Um, yeah, I started noticing the waves, the sound of them, the sound of laughter, the sunset that was right beside me that I didn't realise that was happening. And that's when we brought in my friend, the, his friends were going down to see the sunset. I didn't know that. I just was coursing the world. But even though the sun was in front of me, I couldn't see it until I, I popped my head back up from the sea and I was like, oh, this is deadly. So from that day on, and that was, I think it was January or February in, in 2019, um, every day then after that I was getting into the sea. Um, and it was, it was true cold therapy, uh, through being around good people and uh, acknowledging that something isn't right with me, um, that I'm going through stuff and I have to release it in a healthy way that uh, mental health was uh, the forefront of 2019 for me. So between cold therapy, uh, connecting to nature, um, meditating, being out at sea, um, great walk, and then opening myself up to things that I've always wanted to do, like singing, playing the guitar, uh, meeting new people, uh, getting out, without drink involved, doing hikes, all that type of stuff. I was just open to it because I knew... Uh, it was it was it was benefiting me. Mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty much how mental health came around <laughs> for me. Yeah. Um, that's the, I mean it's it's amazing to think that like you know something like being a professional Mai Tai fighter um, and you know giving that up obviously, but how we all need to kind of fill a hole in some with something and you remove the Mai Tai and you, you start drinking. Mm-hmm. I've been down that road too, obviously. And, and I, you know, with mental health and stuff that came afterwards, but the idea for uh, getting in the sea and having such kind of a, almost like a revelation really, uh, but people might think of that as kind of going, well, that's, that's mad. Like that's, you know, because if you haven't done it, that I've done it and I've done exactly what you did where I've hated the, the answer. I still do, by the way, I get into my shins and sometimes I just give up because I think I can't do it today or whatever. Right. But people will, will have maybe never tried it or people may have tried it and maybe done it once and said, I can't like, it's not for me. How do you now, um, on a particularly cold morning, get into that water and kind of calm that at uh, that anxiety or that panic that that comes into your mind. Yeah, um, so I'm lucky to say that I have a relationship with cold, um, that I understand it completely to a point of it's always going to put me in the present moment. So whatever I'm feeling, I'm not going to be feeling that when I'm in it, and I'm not going to be feeling it when I'm out. So as much as I know about it, as soon as I go in there, I know nothing about it. Yeah. We know that, uh, but it's hard for somebody then to try and get in now that they're not going to feel like that. So it makes me, it makes it ten times easier for me to get in to the sea than it would someone that's not aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so how I approach it, it's very, it is at this stage very simple for me. Um, I don't acknowledge, um, I don't acknowledge the whole. If the, it's just normal to me. Uh, so when I'm down there, there's no anxiety. There's no way for it there's no idea of hanging around nothing i'm just i'm strolling down it's come to the stage now that i go for a jog i get in the sea and jog back i don't even bring a towel i don't bring a dry robe i don't bring a bag to get changed i'm just taking out my top my stockings my runners so i get in the shots and i'm running in i sit there for what three five minutes three to five minutes get out get changed and jog back um because it, you can get to that stage with it mm-hmm. my advice to anybody going into the sea who's feeling that anxiety um accept it, accept the anxiety, go to the place of where you're feeling it, sit with that, sit in that vulnerable space that you're in and acknowledge that it's you who's getting in. You may see other people getting in and they're going to their neck and they're swimming, they're dunking their head or whatever. Acknowledge that it's you getting in and you meet yourself where you are at. So like you said to yourself, if you can only go to your shins, go to your shins, but be fully embracing that. Mm-hmm. Um, don't be looking... Don't be looking past your shins. Oh, I should have went to my waist or I should have stayed longer. Meet yourself where you're at and you'll start to have a, a, a healthy relationship with yourself because there's a part of you, which I call the lower self, some people call the shadow, there's a part of you, um, which is your lower self, that you don't acknowledge, you don't give it any time, you don't give it, give it 
you don't give it the light that it deserves. Um, so that lower self of you, you may think it's you, but it's your lower self who doesn't want to get in the sea. You want to get in the sea. There's a part of you, you're, you're the observer of your lower self. So you want to get in the sea, but your lower self is saying, no, don't get in, don't get in. But if you start talking to your lower self separate to yourself, as in another individual, if you start speaking that lower self kindly, lovingly, and acknowledging that the lower self is afraid to get into the sea, the lower self feels discomfort getting into the sea, you will go as far as the lower self wants to go, and then you'll thank your lower self. And say, thank you for bringing this awareness to me that you feel uncomfortable. I'm listening to you, and we're only going to go as far as you go. You go that far, and then you get out, and you don't feel bad about yourself, because you've just helped a part of you that needed help. You don't feel, oh, I should have went in, oh, I could have stayed longer. No, you were listening to a part of you that had resistance against it, but you were listening in a loving way rather than a judgmental way. So what happened, what, if the more you do this with your lower self, and in every aspect, getting up early in the morning, eating healthy, going for a run, whatever. But as far as getting into the sea, sit with yourself first, realise where the feeling is within you, acknowledge the reasons why you don't get in, and then say, okay, I understand this is in me now, but I also understand it's not me, it's my lower self speak to my lower self kindly and ask me lower self how far do you want to go in just to my feet grant we'll go just to the feet and then we'll come out and we'll have a cup of tea and we'll chill out and this is a, a relationship between you and yourself and you and your lower self and the more you do this the more healthier it gets to a point of where the lower self here is is being heard and seen by you the observer and then when it comes to getting into the sea you do it all again but this time the lower self will go oh, i'm just going to go to my knees this time and then you go to your knees and then like that, the, the relationship gets healthier and you're going to go to me waist. And then the more you listen, the more room is being made for a loving space within you. And next of all, you're swimming in the sea. That would be the long wind about it. It's a lovely way of doing it. Um, it takes a lot of practice. But once you acknowledge that the resistance is not you, it's your lower self, well, then that's a start. Another way of doing it, is by simply sprinting into the sea and diving in. <laughs> I <laughs> think screaming while they're doing it. <laughs> yeah, I, I like. I have a mate who did a. Uh, I've done it up in the sea as well, but obviously I'm in the Midlands, so we've a lot of lakes around and stuff like that. Yeah, and I yeah. do have a mate who will literally do what you just said and just yeah. jump off the jetty there and get in. Whereas I lower myself in, and to be honest, like, um, I, I was getting better at it, and then I had just one. Th- that was my problem with it, Patrick. I was, I had one day where I couldn't get in and I, it, I was really hard on myself afterwards. And it's a really, it, it's a really fasc, fascinating way of, uh, you have a look at it in that way. And I really need to kind of get into that mindset where I can, where I can think that way. Um, I think it's interesting that you got so into it, but you went to the next level, we'll say, of where you wanted to become kind of a, an instructor. Yeah. Um, and that happened, uh, in a Wim Hof workshop, that was a breeder in oil. Um, yeah, I had him on. He was, he's great. Yeah, so as far as I'm concerned, he was the first Wim Hof. Well, the first established one. I know it was probably three or four at the time when they all got qualified together, but he was the first established. So when I was doing sea swims um, in 2019, I'm going down with people and random people are just there and you're chatting away to them and they're like, do this bread walk before you go in. And I'm like, all right, whatever. And then you see them doing the horse stance when I'm getting out. I'm like, right. I'll just do it. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so that's how we're going. That's how I heard of Wim Hof. But it was only because I'm going down to see. I heard more people talk about it. To then eventually hear that uh, Neil was doing a, a Wim Royce and he was doing a Portmark Beach in the shell. It's where everybody arrives for the sunrise and he does bread walk before it. The sun comes up and we all get in the sea. It's beautiful was. Mm-hmm. Um. So we went down to that and again doing the breathing wrong. I was getting into the sea. It was still cold. But I enjoyed the the atmosphere and the surroundings and the environment and all, and just how good it felt after getting up early and all that stuff and seeing the sunrise. So a lot of it, it's not just going down there for the breeding, it's going down there for the collective amount of it. So um, that was the early 2019 that happened. But then you hear that he's doing it again out in, I think it was out in Brea, Cologne, I can't remember now, one of the beaches. Uh, but I went out to that again, getting up early. Uh, and then... With that, knowing that he's a Wim Hof instructor, I just go, when's his next workshop? So I booked into his workshop, but I ended up doing two workshops with him in 2019. It was actually three workshops altogether that year, but um, two Wim Hof workshops I did with him that year. And it was the last one, it was in November 2019. 
and I'm lying there doing the breathing and I'm feeling amazing. And I'm just like, why doesn't everybody know about this? Everybody should be doing it. What's what what's stopping people from leaning in like? And uh, that's when I just the light bulb went over and just goes, Why don't you tell them about it then? And when I said that to myself, I was like, Why don't I be an instructor? So that came when I was actually deep in the breath work and I was able to have that moment with it. Um so it was the next day that I went on to the Wimbo website. Uh and before you you can become well, before you can apply to be an instructor, you have to do a ten week course. So that's what I did. I just went online and bought the ten week course, did that and it was amazing, it was, I loved it. Um and I recommend anybody that's looking for a bit of structure, looking for a bit more an idea of the Wim Hof method, definitely lean into that 10-week course. It, it'll give you 10 weeks of structure around breath work and cold therapy. It's, it's a no-brainer. You can't, you're going to gain from it, put it that way. Yeah. Um, so after it, while I was doing the 10 weeks, I was saying that I was going to be an instructor. So I went online and I seen that there was a, the next advanced for, to, it's the fourth stage of being a, a Wim Hof instructor. It's the advanced stage. And um it was in March of 2020. I was like, lovely, signed up for that. And then in March 2020, the world decided to shut. Uh, and I remember being in the airport. Like I was still going out. I was going out to the Netherlands. And I remember being in the airport and I got an email off to Wim Hof Academy. And uh, it was like, all applicants have been shut down. Nobody can apply and we're not taking any more on. Even if you were set to do it in June or July or anything like that, like all, everything got postponed because of what was happening. But I'm in the airport heading out to the Netherlands. When this is, and I was the last group to get in, and I just, I was just like meant to be, got over there, and I was over there four days uh, with the Wim Hof Academy. Wim Hof was there as well, which was beautiful, and uh, it was at his home. But at the time, all this was happening, this gave me so much inspiration. The world was shutting down; like was, you couldn't get back. There was a girl who I met up with her. She's from Poland. She had to fly home the next day when we first arrived. Had one night stay. She had to go the next day, and she wouldn't get into into back into Poland for like four weeks. Um, and I'm just like, what, what's going on outside? You wouldn't even know. Because mm. Wim Hof invited 50 people from around the world to his home and he just, it was arms open to all love and music, breath work, cold therapy, connection, humans. We wouldn't know what was going on outside. Uh, so I took great inspiration from that when I got home. Uh, so when I got home, I just continued like, not that I was in Wim Hof's gaff, but basically I brought that energy home with me. So I um, uh, I was doing online online stuff, but then I started reaching out to the public and start going into uh, doing uh, outdoor events mm-hmm. like um, Brett Walk under the full moon. So um, it was throughout 2020 that I got a lot of awareness of self growth, uh, self um, responsibility, um, knowing your truth, uh, stepping into your power. A lot of that um, came for me in 2020. Um, which led to 2021 and 2022 and now we're in 2023 um, and every single time I was stepping into that space of the unknown um, I always I always brought it back to a moment with myself where I have nothing to lose uh, really uh, because if it's coming from your heart if it's coming from a good place and it does fall flat on its face well I'll own up and say yeah I, I came from a good place and that's if it came from my ego it came from my mind to say yeah I'm just going to do it because I couldn't give a rat's what anybody else is saying I was going to do it. Uh, and I fell flat my face. Well, then it would probably have me tame between my legs. But everything I've done has come from a good place, you know. And it, yeah. I, I'm, I'm living it now, Luke. So I'm really grateful for that. Can I ask them what, what you do, uh, Patrick? The, the kind of the breathing, you know, obviously you've, you, you do uh, breathe, trust, flow. But is there a kind of a spiritual aspect to the breath work that you do? Um. And I remove, so, I remove that, like, you know, removing spirituality from religion. It's, you know, some people think it's the same thing. I I don't in particular, but, it, you know, what do you think? So spiritual, spirituality, uh, or spiritual, um, if you break that word down, it's spiritual. Um, so wherever you feel centered and connected to within yourself, that's spiritual. Mm-hmm. If you feel like you want to sit out your back garden and listen to the birds, before you go to work, just to have five minutes, ten minutes yourself, that's spiritual. Um, if you feel you want to connect to the breath and go deeper in yourself, that's spiritual. If you want to go to mass every Sunday, that's spiritual. If you want to open up around the table with a cup of tea and close friends, that's spiritual. And if you break that word down, it is spirit through all. So literally spirit through all. Everything. Mm-hmm. It's a perception on it. That's the only difference. Um, when it comes to breath work, though, it's undeniable. Uh, and I've... I can say this easily 
And if anybody wants to challenge me, you know, I'm more than willing to have a chat and even give them as many Brett Walk sessions as they want of an aid. Um, the Brett Walk is a connection to your whole self, to a deeper unknowing of yourself. And when people start tapping into the breath and, and really leaning into it and allowing themselves, if you were to do that over a certain amount of time, you will be a different person. It could change you. Um, it changed me, certainly did. Um, but it is spiritual. It is spiritual because you are connecting to a deeper unknown of yourself. And everything that you are today, you are unaware of. It's been programmed in you. Um, you are conditioned through your environment and surroundings. So everything about you is from an external environment. Um, you may think that you're in your home. The only reason why you are out in your home is because of conditional programming. Um, avoid that. You may think you have best friends, but the only reason why you have those best friends is because you grew up on the street or you went to a school or you went to a college that was chosen by someone else. Uh, and the only reason why you crossed the path of an external source. When you tap into the breath, every single thing, from your thoughts, emotions, physical, spiritual, mental, every single thing is uh, connected to that breath. And whatever comes up, that is you. And you'll realise what comes up, you're saying. If I'm saying that's you, well, then you're going to see coming up, your job is going to come up, your family, your friends, your life, your, your, how you actually think and speak to yourself, that's all going to come up. But that is you. And it's been a mirror of yourself. And then it's within those moments of seeing you within the mirror around yourself through the breath work that you'll decide what's not you. And you'll decide that the job is not you. Or that the friends that you're hanging around with aren't actually good friends. You'll decide that the way you're living is not you. And then eventually you're going to start ticking off the boxes. That goes, that goes, that goes. Oh, that hate that I have against my father, my mother. That's me absorbing hate that they experienced when they were younger. And they just did not have to show or, or give me love. They're actually in pain. Mm. They're living through hate. So I'm able to see that now that I actually don't hold hate against my father because I see the pain that he's in. I don't hold hate against my mother because I see the pain she was in. Um, or if it's the other way around, uh, it just so happens that the person just went out of the way to do a cruel act and the person can't see when they tap into the breath. Well, they see that it's harder to hold on to the hate and it's easier to let it go. So when you let go of the hate or you just forgive, um, it's 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 you now making these decisions from within you. So all of a sudden, your whole life has been programmed from an external point. And now, through breath work, because you tap into the unknown, you tap into the present moment, there is no past, there's no future, it's just the present moment, the now. When you tap into the breath, all of this, every single part of you gets brought up to the surface. The surface level stuff is your everyday living, you're, you're stressed out, it's the first time you feel relaxed, it's the first time you're switching off your mind, all of that. That all comes up easy enough. Then you just keep going layers and layers and layers deeper and deeper until eventually you change your whole life. Um, because every single thing you're doing in your life then from that point comes from you. And that's why you get called a weirdo. That's why you get called you're not the same. That's why you get... Because every single person that ha is surrounding you is from the external reason why they're there. They're not there from the internal reason. And then all of a sudden you're talking to strangers on a beach or... You're seeing people, you're going to these clubs or you're going to this meeting or you're doing something that you never would have done before and you're talking to people from an internal point and straight away they are either on your level or not and you already know that and you feel no pressure or no obligation to uh, entertain these people. But then there's something happens then when you meet a stranger, you meet people down the road that you never thought you were met. A click happens and they are best mate. And yeah. you're telling them you never would have thought them. And if you, if you don't want to call that spiritual, well then put a name on it. I call yeah. it spiritual. Because it literally is spirit through everything, or spiritual, spiritual everything. But when it comes from when it comes from you, when it comes from internally, internally from you, um, that's an evolution of self. That's an that's that's something that no book, no teacher, nothing can show you when it comes from you. Um, I was uh last week, uh, last Saturday. So you know Lorraine Hogan, uh, yeah. she, um, you know she was on my podcast recently, as you know, and brilliant uh chat with, with Lorraine and she sent me some cacao and she uh I so I had my first I had my first drink of cacao on Saturday and I had my first session of like a breath work with my friend who's really into kind of you know uh well cacao and breath work. So I did fifteen minutes breath work and I guess the kind of um 
uh, like we talk about water, the first time you do it, it's a very strange experience because you really want to eliminate the the external that's going on around you. But you kind of it's very hard not to focus on certain things like, you know, the focusing on the breath is one thing. But I found myself drifting out of it and I kind of I just had my like my my brain was like, just open your eyes there and have a look like there's nothing going on. Like, you know, it was just there was nothing there. But my brain was telling me these certain things. Now, just before that, we had the cacao and Lorraine told me something really excellent she described it really well of why people take a cow and what it does for them and you know why why there are ceremonies and stuff um and it was an interesting taste like it's not an it's a different uh taste anything i've ever had but it's actually quite nice it's not like you know something that uh i was expecting for some reason i think every time you have to get something good there has to be a bit of a struggle with it so i thought if this is going to be do something good for me it's going to taste horrible when you ha- add cacao to ceremonies, for instance, what is it? Um, what is the reason for that? Yeah, it's beautiful. It is a beautiful combination with the uh, with the breadwalk. Mm-hmm. And just to give you a little tip, if you were ever doing breadwalk and your mind's gone 100 miles an hour, I had drifting off, I had you're thinking of other stuff to do. You were able to, through breadwalk, just on that point, you're able to uh, start a relationship of acceptance within yourself. Because if you're trying to do breadwalk and you're being distracted by something else, if you will just allow yourself to accept that you're being distracted, but you're still going to continue doing the bread walk, mm-hmm. that's a small bit of acceptance that you're doing there. So you're not going, oh, forget about that. Try block that out. I'm not doing the bread walk. You're not doing any of that. You're accepting for one, you're not connected to the bread, you're distracted. So now you're accepting that. And as soon as you accept it, the the the, the hole that it has on you, uh, gets loose or gets basically lets it go and then a new thought comes in and then like oh, there's another thought and then I'm just going to be an observer and accept that and then another one comes and then another one comes all the while you're still just doing the bread walk manually yeah. and then eventually it lands and it takes over and then next of all you know coming out of a bread walk session not having a clear what just happened <laughs> but that's just a little tip if you're ever yeah. wherever I'm doing bread walk again just be observant of your thoughts mm-hmm. and whatever what's happening just accept them and then just keep doing the breath accept Breathing, accept, breathing, accept. Um, your question there, how could I look at, to put an analogy on it, mm-hmm. look at someone having a cup of tea, look at someone having a cup of coffee. Um, a cup of tea and a coffee, it's for a certain period of time. And uh, you can have it over, I'm in a rush for work, I need to go. Or you could sit, I need to sit down and have a chat with me mate because they're going through a bit of time. So I've got a cup of tea and a cup of coffee. Either way, there's an intention behind it. Yeah. I need this coffee to get me out, out the door to get me going because I haven't got the coffee. I'm going to be all over the place and I'm not going to be able to concentrate. I need this cup of coffee. I need this cup of tea to sit down with my friend because they're going through something. The intention is there. Yeah. Based around a cup, cup of tea. It's like, let's sit there and look and face it. Like, humans just, if you haven't got the tools, you're not able to sit in front of a human being without, uh, you can call it a barrier or a protector, something in front of you. Do you know what I mean? Or you could have your arms folded, that could be another way. Mm-hmm. Um, or it could be a phone. But in this case, the, the tea and the coffee is an analogy. So the intention is behind there. So when you're sitting with cacao in ceremony, the intention with cacao uh, is always to drop into the body out of the mind, into the body, drop into the heart space and allow yourself to be vulnerable, offering yourself up to a space to where you're going to now sit with, not your mate, you're not going to sit with the fact that you have to get to the job, you're not going to sit with any of that, you're going to sit with yourself. That's what you're going to do. And by allowing cacao, cacao being the, I call it the, the altar. You ever see when you walk up to an altar, you're always either bound to it, kneeling at it, Doing something when you walk, when you are yeah, just acknowledging that there's an altar there, you see flowers around on the hollow. I, I look at the cacao like that as well. So, the cacao, the cup itself, when it's poured in, that's your altar. So, you're offering yourself up now to the altar. Um, so, when you have that awareness and the intention behind it that you're going to sit with this, that's when it all happens. And that this is the thing that cacao can be a cup of tea. That, and that's what I say ceremony is everything. It's the same as the spirit, the spiritual ceremony is everything. Like, I have a cup of tea. If I want it, that's a that's a ceremony, full blown. If I have a cup of coffee, that's a that's a ceremony. It takes practice. It takes your intention behind it. The great thing about cacao, it's being promoted and being shown uh, to be used for ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, I call it an offering simply because everything is a ceremony. I don't want to just say you can only be in a ceremony when you're taking cacao. It's not. 
you can light a candle and an incense switch off the lights and sit in a dark room that's a ceremony um so with cacao though it makes it more and accessible for people who are just trying to find some sort of platform or some sort of landing page or some sort of space that they can sit with themselves you go into a clinical room like a counselor or psychologist or anything like that it may it may not be the space but if you open up a space with them where you're offering something to them that they can sip over with an intention that each one they're allowing emotion to come up, they're allowing their, their mental thoughts to come up, they're allowing their self-sabotage and ways to come up. They're just allowing it and being held in a safe container so there's no judgment or fear of that. And that's all explained if you ever go to a ceremony that's held in that space. Um, that's all explained. Um, no, nothing is basically. Um, so you're offering, that's that's, that's the beauty of cacao, um, that that is allowing people now to go to a space and it could be just ambient music and that cacao is offered and that person has to sit with themselves, sit, sit, sit with their intention. And to add it in then, you bring in the spirit aspect of it, the spirit of cacao, the, you're connected to the, to the land, you're connected to the stars, you're connected to entities, you're connected to different religions, different thoughts, different perceptions. You're connected to yourself, like you use it it's, it is a, a beautiful medicine. I think, I think it will be a beautiful step for um, people who are on the fence. It'll be a beautiful step just to sit in that space, mm-hmm. just to sit in the space with the cacao and don't get caught up in the whole, I'm not connecting to myself. I'm not connecting to spirit cacao. I'm not connecting to what my intention is. The fact is you're allowing yourself in the space and that's daunting enough because you're around strangers probably for the first time and you're feeling vulnerable. Um, but it seems differently this time. Um, it seems different that you're in a space with strangers and the vulnerability is there, but you're also seeing everybody else being vulnerable and speaking about whatever their intention is or whatever they came to bring. That makes you feel safer. And then you're allowed to speak then. So before you even drink the cacao, before you even go into ceremony, where a lot of feelings already happened because the first time in your life, maybe, uh, you've been heard, seen and held in a safe space. And all it is is, I just want time to myself and get to know myself. Imagine that, like you're an adult and you're asking, you're asking to get to know yourself. But it's, I believe it was a, a lovely, a lovely way to get people who were just on the fence of leaning into um, this, this, this uh, awareness of life. Uh, yeah, it's you know? it's fair to say, like Patrick, that like in the last four years, you've kind of come a long way with with regards to kind of learning about yourself, but learn about other people as well. And when you do. Uh, have these ceremonies? Do you ever? Are you ever standing there with? And I ask people about this all the time. Um, with the uh, imposter syndrome at any point, the idea, you know, that you're, uh, what am I doing, doing this? Like, how did I get from, you know, doing what you're doing when you're younger to do doing what you're doing now? Yeah. Um. So let me see. We had that imposter syndrome throughout eight years of my uh, toy boxing career. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and I realized why I had that imposter syndrome because I was afraid of accountability. I was afraid of responsibility. I was afraid to step into my power. I was afraid to put myself out there and accept that. I'm... Um, so I did a lot of work. I did a lot of work on that and I came up with a lot of affirmations and I came up with a lot of mindset, positive mindset that anytime I felt discomfort, I always went to back. I have a, I had a, uh, I have a, uh, an affirmation, I have loads of them actually. All one after the other, they all evolved, and it's come to the stage where now where I have one now that I'm sitting with a new one. But when I go back to when I first started, I, I don't know if you ever heard of Soy K. Soik K. I generated an affirmation from doing that. It was beautiful, it was. So every time, every time I uh, came to a place of discomfort or unknowing or at ease, uh, I, I was going go forward with, with the confidence knowing that this is what I need to do. So when it came to me, in the imposter syndrome um, very quickly when I was doing the wind pop before I was even qualified I was I was telling myself feeling my my inner self knowing my inner standing um, that I was that I was the best wind pop instructor in Ireland that I that what I can give people are going to be speaking about across Ireland across Europe across the world so when I speak like this I'm not speaking from an ego. I'm speaking from my eagle. And my eagle is flowing high, well-fed, and is healthy, sharp, and sees when it needs to eat. 
And when I noticed the heat, I went, it just glides. So when I'm speaking like this, I'm speaking from my ego. Um, and when all of this came to me in that space, it was coming from that place. And I didn't have to worry about it anymore then. So every time that imposter syndrome then, every time I was walking into a space, I was speaking from my ego. I wasn't speaking from anywhere else. I wasn't speaking from my head or uh, an egotistical type of thing um, because I had that belief and confidence that what I'm doing is coming from my heart. It's coming from a good place. It's also being humbled. humbled. Um, no matter how much work you do, you're always going to be humbled by it. Um, no matter how many ice baths I take or how many breath work sessions I do on people or with myself, um, I'm always humbled by it. Um, so with the knowing that I'm standing there holding space with people, I'm speaking from my ego, it's coming from my heart and I'm, uh, it's going to be a day when I'm going to be humbled by this stuff when someone else is holding space for me. So the imposter syndrome um, isn't there for me anymore. Right. Um, I acknowledge that. But at the same time, I understand that I can be there for a lot of other people. Uh, you have to accept that you're afraid to step into that power. You have to accept that the reason why you're not full is because the perception of other people uh, that could be your family, your friends, society they're the reasons why you're not stepping in you, you say you're afraid but the reality is that you're afraid of what other people think of you yeah. what other people are going to say about you and you're not accepting your full power because as soon as you do accept your full power of who you are and what you want to do then positive syndrome is gone but you also know so is the world and society and the people that I know in my life they're also gone and I'm on my own only for a certain, only for a certain time, you'll be on your own, and that's when you find your most strength when you're on your own, because you're the only one that feels like this, you're the only one that sees the world like this. But then eventually, your energy is so resonating out that people start coming drawn and being attracted to you. And next of all, you have a community around you, you have a society around you that is in resonance with you. Um, so if you are stepping into that space where there's imposter syndrome, that feeling, accept it, and again, go back to that lower self. Mm. It's your lower self. That feels an imposter. It's not you. And if you have that loving relationship with your lower self, you'll be able to have a talk and conversation with it. We are responding, not reacting. And you'll just take a deep breath and you'll step into it and you'll make mistakes and you'll you'll say you shouldn't have done that or you could have done that better. But then you'll come out with saying, I'm feeling amazing because I did that. And you'll just do it better the next time. And you'll learn and you'll learn and you'll learn. And then eventually you're teaching people uh, from the heart and then they're teaching people from the heart and the ripple effect is endless. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great, yeah, of course. And the one else, so with the Breed Trust Flow, you also have, um, you've also other things going on apart from just, you know, the ceremonies that you do. Yeah, I had to, because I, I knew, I had a feeling you were going to ask me, so I'm just, <laughs> I just got the list out. <laughs> Good. And if anybody's listening, just go onto my website. Yeah. And you'll see where I have a whole, a whole list of stuff. Uh, so I'm just going to go through them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Milstock, um So just to say, Breed Trust Flow is a brand, right? Um. I came with that word breed trust flow because as I was breeding, the more I was breeding, the more I found trust. And the more I found trust, I just went into a flow. And that was it. Breed trust flow. Boom. Done. So uh, if I wanted to stay in my lane, if I didn't want to step into my power, I'd be just breed trust flow. I'd be a Wim Hof level one instructor. Um, and just to point out, I'm a level two now. Uh, but Fair at bite. the time, I just, I just when I say when I say I'll be a level one, it's because I wouldn't have taken the steps to be a level two. Yeah. That's what I say. So if I was just breed trust flow, I'd be that. Wim Hof instructor, level one, and I'll be the generic Wim Hof instructor. I'll be going off the book. I'll be going off how things should be done and not bringing your own essence into it, not bringing in a deeper connection of self into it. Um, the uniqueness of me, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I stepped into my power and then the breach was flow opened up as a brand then. <laughs> so uh, if I look at the list, I'm just going to go off by the list and not in any particular order, but Moonstock, um Millstock is basically a gathering, a gathering of uh, like-minded people who every full moon, which is every month, every full moon gather on the beach um, and we connect to the breath. We go through a breeding, um, we go through a breeding, a period of time where we're doing breath work. Uh, and from there then, there's connection to body, there's connection to self, there's connection to others. Uh, we do some movement, a little screen, and just to release a bit of energy. And then if people want to get into the sea, they get into the sea. And that's every month. And the, them, them gardens are beautiful. And the, the, the sea, complete strangers gather on a beach every full moon, um, regardless of the weather, winter, snow, summer, autumn, whatever. Um, 
it's beautiful. It happens all year round. Actually, this next month is going to be we'll be going into the third year of doing my own stock. Oh, wow. uh, yeah. So and some incredible people have passed, and some incredible people are coming, and it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's every month, and the next one I think is the seventh of March. Yes, seventh of March. All right. Yeah. So don't don't need to sign up. Nothing. Literally, just show up. Common sense applies. If it's Cold weather, wear warm clothes. If it's warm weather, wear it probably. Uh, bring a few snacks if you want a bit of food, if you're going to be hungry. Um, the looks of that. Common yeah. sense. It's always common sense prevails. Um, then I have with Lorraine, the Anim Tour Retreat. Um, and just to say that we have our next one coming up at the end of this month, the 24th to the 26th of February. It's a weekend retreat in Offaly, uh, Salina Tua. And Maureen and Neil's place, beautiful place, um, beautiful land. Uh, that retreat is a powerful retreat. Um and you want to talk about spiritual, like from the time you arrive, the drive down is spiritual for people um, because they are fully letting go. They are fully. And we, the, the great thing about it is uh, no phones. So the fact that oh, you are, yeah, no phones whatsoever. Um, obviously, if there's an emergency, we're not, we're not, like, again, common sense. Yeah. No phones from the time you arrive. And we have a little ceremony and all, like for the whole handing over of the phone. It's amazing when I ask people to stop. Right, I want everybody to knock off the phones. Like half of them don't even know how to knock it off. It's amazing to watch that. Yeah. But I why? Because I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a culprit from when it comes to uh, phones and being addicted to them. I already, I already, I have to have boundaries because if I don't have boundaries, the, the, the phone runs wild. Yeah. Or I won't, I won't wild with the phone. So I have to have boundaries. So I understand that. I understand the addictions that people have. I understand the need and the want that people have with phones. But to take it away in a safe environment, that's when the magic happens. That's when yeah. the spirit comes out from the people. And that true essence starts to shine. And they realize that everything, look what I was saying earlier, everything that they've ever really wanted to connect to was within themselves. It's never outside of themselves. What's great about it is when you connect to the to within yourself, you resonate that out. So everything outside of you then is in resonance with you. So basically you're connecting to everything. It's just, it's a win-win. Yeah. But the, the Anam Tewa really brings people from the arrive to the time they live. And the great thing about it is we, we have the WhatsApp groups from each Anam Tewa and each Anam Tewa is still, still going. People have made new relations, new friends, new lives um, and we've got to see it unfold because it's not just a weekend and then see it later. It's a weekend and then mm-hmm. right, well, we're now connected through this tribe, we're now connected through this community together and we get to see that progress through the WhatsApp group because they're putting in job pro- uh, promotions, they're putting in uh, little small businesses that they're, pro- they're putting in the four seed, all this type of stuff. Yeah. So, and that's since 2020, was it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, so that's Adam Tua. And I just, it's a, it's a one and done. I don't think anybody wants to come back to Adam Tua because it'll never be the same again. Every single one of them. Yeah. Are. And if you want to, if you want to come back to Adam Tua, you're going to have to like literally erase everything you know about it to try and experience that magic that first happened. Uh, it's great for me and Lorraine because we get new people every time and it's different for us all the time and it's beautiful. Um, and yeah, just want to give Lorraine a shout on that as well. Yeah. A legend. Um, so again, Millstock at the end of the month. If you're interested, just reach out to the website, reach out to me, all around. Um, let me see. Uh, I do, oh yeah, men rising together. Um, mm-hmm. I do a lot of work with men. Um, myself and a good who again, you meet down when you start happening within yourself, you start meeting people like you. Good friend of mine, my brother, and I will call him, uh, David Patrick Farrell. Uh, he met him down the beach and through our own evolution our own separate growth we realised that we're on a very similar path how we speak and how we think and how we feel uh, we went to a men's retreat um, I don't know if you know Inward Bound Darren mm-hmm. Rod um, well we went to their men's retreat and we realised the power of it was a men's retreat as well so we realised the power of men coming together it was first time we really experienced this and then we realised the power of circle we realised the power of sharing um, it was a massive weekend for us but what came to the table was is this is something that is for me and he said the same for him. And it's like, why don't we start something? Why don't we get something going? So through doing the work ourselves, we were always doing the work um, on ourselves or with someone else, someone's holding the space for us. But uh, we just came with the concept of doing men's circles. And like that, you're putting it all together. You want something to land. It was like, what about men rising together? And the whole idea is that men are supporting other men. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rising, rising up from wherever where they are, that slumber, that death, the, the life that they don't want again, they're rising from that to be alive. 
uh, and they're doing it together. It's not just, I think, because men being competitive, it's like you see a man stepping into his power. He's a wanker. He's he's in his ego. Get rid of him. Like, but when you see a man stepping into that power, knowing that it's coming from a good place, you get resonated to that man and you want to know what he's about. You want to you want to see what he's doing that's maybe beating his power. And you feel more intrigued and more uh, more of a pull to him. So if all men are doing that, they're all, they're all doing it together, you'll just have ordinary men who's going around lost within themselves, lost within society. And you'll see strong men in front of them. And when you have strong men, you have strong society. You have uh, you have um, men being able to hold space for women who basically were holding space for men 24-7. So you have men being, being able to hold space for women and the balance is off, completely off uh, with, with all of that. But how how are we expecting men to hold space for women when they can't even hold it for themselves? Yeah. So I know how important it is. So I have a son who's eight years of age. I try to he's teaching me all the time, but at the same time, I have to be uh, if I want him to be a strong man, I, I have to own that myself. I have a daughter now who's seven months old, so I have to I have to show her what a strong man is from the time she's born, and so she knows what a strong man is, and she's not manipulated, so she's not thrown into a situation that's hard for her to get out or decisions that she doesn't want to make. Um, so we know that. And I know if that's just me, my personal journey on that, men rising together, but then you have how many men in Ireland that need this help? How many young men and how many teenagers mm-hmm. that need this help? And it's not for empowerment of other empowerment of self. It's to, be, it's to be a man and step up and to know how to protect, be a man to know how to be in a masculine energy and a feminine energy, to be a man to know how to uh, hold space for a woman in a in a in a powering way, but also in a nurturing way. So it's it's all of these things, and unfortunately, just how society is, um, it's in a it's in a lost state. It's no surprise that men are the way they are, and um, if we have an opportunity to to bring men together in a safe environment, an empowering environment for themselves, and um, we'll do it all day. And it's yeah. great that my good friend of mine, David Patrick Farrell, the two of us are doing it. Uh, together, it's it's a beautiful thing to do, and to see men just—it's it's amazing. Strong men coming through, put it that way, and it's it's getting more common and common. And it's great to see the work that's going on elsewhere with other men, uh, and it needs it. Society yeah. needs. It. Um, we already touched on the Brett Walker can care what we do with that, yeah. Um, we hold space with Brett Walker and can care what we do with that, uh, which is a beautiful combination of the two. Uh, and then I have uh, Wim Hof workshops. I have Wim Hof workshops that I do. Um, I pick a location. I put the Wim Hof workshop there. You get to understand the three pillars of the method. That's the breath work, the cold therapy, and the commitment. You get to understand some of the science behind it. You get to understand it's not just breathing, that it's not just ice bath. It's a whole fundamental collective amount that's mm-hmm. coming from you and a decision that you want to make. Um, so the workshops are fairly... And I love about, what I love about the workshops is you don't need 10 of them. They're one and done. They're just like... You do the workshop, you move on. Because what you've learned from that workshop, it should sustain, sustain yeah. you to get you where you want to get. Um, but if you want to come back to them, they're there for you. Um, I also do private workshops as well at home. That's called the Wim Hof uh, Experience, not the Wim Hof Method uh, workshops. It's the Wim Hof Experience. I have a space here in my home. Uh, people come up to do the breath walk and they have the cold exposure. Then I have a chest freezer converted into an ice bath. Uh, it's an ice freezer. It's, That's... it's savage. And it's, and it's definitely needed throughout the, the summer. The summer months... Someone wants to look a little warm back. Yeah, well, that's 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 the interesting thing I think for 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 people is like that they'll, you know, it's more attractive to do in the summer for for that very reason, you know, and it, it makes yeah. sense. But the people will drop out as we maybe get to September, October. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true and understandable as well. Mm. Um, but the thing is, if you can do a, a winter, if and if I can put put this out there, if anybody does a winter sea dips, look, I'm talking from October right up and through to January. Uh, oh, sorry, right up to the show until March. From October to March, if you do those winter sea dips, uh, you will be a different person. You'll probably have left your job. You'll probably have started your own business and you'll probably went on a spiritual journey. <laughs> which is <laughs> which is a beautiful thing, obviously. And so I, I just, you mightn't have this written down actually, Patrick, but I also wanted to mention you also have a podcast. I do. Uh, a podcast. I started that and I'm absolutely delighted that I started that podcast in the time of day because I got to, I got to uh, document um, a time and period in history uh, throughout 2020 so from March 2020 we started doing a podcast it's called uh, Doing Me now the reason why the name is called Doing Me Thing is because I always got asked why you up to I'm just doing me thing right. so when I'm trying to think of a podcast name I was like Doing Me Thing that's all I'm doing I'm just doing me thing and then the acronym 
if you look at the acronym, it's called DMT. Yeah, and that's the, if anybody does, that's the momental tryptamine. Uh, it's embodied in all of us. We all have it. We produce it naturally and safely. Don't worry. Don't listen to YouTube and all those mad channels. Uh, the momental tryptamine is beautiful. And so is, and that's a spirit in itself. But you can access that through uh, Brett Walker as well. Yeah. Um, but the podcast, yeah, I've been doing that since March 2020. And what I love about it is the evolution of me because when I look back and listen to what I've said, it's not that I wouldn't have said them. I just would have said them differently because my yeah. awareness is constantly grounding. And I was like, that's beautiful. I'm so happy I had that documented. Yeah. I went through my whole life undocumented. And if I knew what I was doing back then, I probably would have learned something now today about it. But it's just, yeah, it's a challenge the journey that I'm on. Yeah, of course. I do like- um, I, I, what I love about um, what you said about the podcast, and it's a similar kind of, I suppose, journey that I'm on. And, and I try to take something away from each guest that I have on, you know, because I think mm. it's um, it's self improvement basically. Yeah, yeah. And and what I what your description um of uh, imposter syndrome was particularly striking because of uh, you know, I've like I said, I don't t- bring it up in every podcast, but I've brought it up brought it up in a few podcasts and I talked to people who do stand in front of others. And, you know, I yeah. became a coach in jujitsu. I became a coach in CrossFit and I was standing there going, what am I, you know, and yeah. your description is really interesting. The idea of fear behind it and uh, fear of what other, other people think. And that kind of, nobody's kind of mentioned it in that way. And it's kind of really, it's hit the nail on the head for me because that's what it was. It wasn't so much what I was thinking that I couldn't do because I knew I could do it. You know, I'd, yeah. I, I felt comfortable in that, but it was always in like, the idea of someone behind me or or in front of me thinking to themselves like, you know, what does he know? I've done CrossFit for five years more than he has, or I yeah. I'm a different belt in jujitsu than he is. And it's really that's that's something that I'm definitely going to take away and kind of work on. Yeah, hundred percent. Because I can tell you now, you could be giving them CPR. Yeah, and someone would judge you. Yeah, and that's just the human construct. There's nothing you can do about that. Um, or the other thing you can say to yourself what's the alternative what's the alternative of you not doing what you want to do mm-hmm. and see there's a way up are you going to be happier if you don't do what you want to lean into you're going to be happier if you, you listen to other people and that's the alternative because you're not, if you're not listening to yourself you're listening to someone else Yeah. Um, and the perception that you are listening to yourself is from or someone else's perception so if you think oh, I shouldn't do that because of A, B and C that's because it came from someone else and the alternative is you're not going to be happy you're going to be great and then come Five years down the line, you you you, you might only because you you hit the wall of of how far it could go. The final experience of self doubt has a wall. Eventually, you're gonna hit it. Um, but the the infinite ability of self and your inner knowing or your inner standing of self uh, that's infinite. <laughs> it's just funny when you yeah. when you realize all of, when you realize all of this. Uh, fair fair goes out the window. <laughs> it, really, it, it does. The last, the last time I, fear, I, I, I sensed fear was when I was jumping off a cliff. It was over in Poland, and uh, it was the, the cliff that Wim Hof jumps off. It's the only way I can describe because I can't don't know the name, but it's basically yeah. into that. And I didn't have fear of uh, jumping into the lake surrounding it. So that's that was the fear that I felt. I could yeah. jump into it, no problem, but I was afraid of the rocks around it. But I had to go into that space of trust in myself and make sure I hit the location of where it was meant to hit. And once I did, that was grand. But I had to get over that fear because I would have been yeah. carrying that with me. Uh, but I got over it and like that, that's the type of fear I would, I would recognise I, I, I would never have the fear of uh, I could never feel the fear of someone else's perception ever mm. that doesn't exist um, and it's because it's, I, I know I just know when it's coming from yourself all of that every single perception of others goes out the window and when you're able to see someone else's perception you're able to forgive them for that, that perception you're able to say Jesus man he sees the world like that she sees the world like that and you just say, it's really grand. Well, even if it's about yourself, like the amount of people that criticize people doing good, I, I just mm. laugh. I'm just like, that's just a mirror on those people. Those mirrors, just, they're doing wrong because of what they're doing. But what they're really doing, they're just unconsciously doing it. They're just putting a mirror on themselves. And they're just not doing whatever they want to do. So they just criticize the person that's doing something that's making them in their power. Yeah. So you're always going to get it. So if you have imposter syndrome, it's natural. But at yeah. the same time, what's the alternative? Don't do it then. That's what I would say. Don't do it and see how happy yeah. you are. 
exactly. Do, yeah, do what, uh, don't do what other people think. Well, people are thinking about it anyway. So what can you do about regardless. that? But yeah, regard. Yeah, that's the thing. Like it's 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 going to happen. But and so, Patrick, what do you like to do apart from the breath work and you know jumping in the sea and all that stuff? What do you like to do in your spare time? <laughs> I'm laughing because uh, I could go anyway. Okay. Uh, uh, what I like to do in my spare time, I, lo- I love being a father. Um, I love being a, a partner. Um, and that's not my spare time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But the things outside of the walk that we do, and the hard walk, it's not it's not hard walk, it's hard walk. Um, so the stuff that we do outside of that, and what I love about it, from doing this, the more you do it, the less you have to do it. So the more from doing bread walk, the more I've done ice baths, the more I've went to plant medicines, the more I've went to people holding space, the less I've had to do, the less of that I've actually had to do. So when I first started getting into this, I had to do it every day. I had to do bread walk every day. I had to do ice baths every day. Simply because we the, the the healing that my body needed, and my mind, and my soul, and all that. But I'm on a stage now where I'm... The only way I can, I can describe it, and I'm so grateful for this, is that I'm constantly present. I'm constantly, the only thing that I'm doing right now is having this conversation with you and nothing else. Um, so I'm constantly in that state of presence. So when I, when I pack up, I know what I'm doing after. But I'm in presence of doing that thing, yeah. getting stuff ready, getting into the car. I'm not thinking about anything else. So my spare time is basically being present. <laughs> and that could bring me anywhere. Um, to point out a few things, uh, being a father. And mm-hmm. to my son, being a father to my daughter, being a partner to my um, fiance is a um, Eva. Uh, what else then? Getting out then in the everything, everything after that. That's just like stuff we do when I'm like I'm literally that. When I'm that, I'm nothing else. I'm not the instructor. Yeah. I'm not the, That's all I am there. But when I want time for myself. Uh, I sit I sit a lot of times with um, plant medicine I sit a lot of times with bread walk I sit a lot of times with, with uh, cacao journaling meditation good good um, good quality time I'm not talking five ten minutes I'm talking it could be four hours like um, five six hours depending on how long it takes um, and the great beautiful thing about this is that I don't need much of that but when I do need it I need it so when I get it that's a battery that lasts me for like two, three weeks that I feel like I need to sit back with that. I feel like I'm feeling a bit drained here and I know I'm a little short on how I'm performing. So I need to and go back into that deep place. And like that, I have a beautiful partner. She supports me fully. So before I, like, I went missing for three days, I didn't go missing. She knew where I was. But I went to, I went off. Like I wasn't a father or I wasn't a partner for three days simply because I was, I was in that space within myself, allowing myself to be there so I can recharge my batteries, integrate what I've learned and move on. Um, so spare time with me is being present with me. Uh, and that could be with anything mm-hmm. or anywhere. Uh, and literally when I'm in that space, nothing else has happened. I'm just, I'm just so grateful that I have that awareness and I'm so grateful that I get to do that. Um, I, get to really, I, get, I get to really do it. Not just, I need 10 minutes on my own, I need a half an hour, I need to get away. I, I get to do the walk. And it's simply, we get to do the walk, hard walk, because of being doing it. I always offer myself back up to something higher than me, something bigger than me. I always doing that. That There's a stage now that I can connect to that without anybody else. I'm connecting to that through myself, with spirit, with source, with energies, with entities, whatever you want to call it. Um, some people call it God. Some people call it the universe. Some people call it whatever. Um, wherever it is, I'm offering myself up to that. And uh, once I know it's coming from a good place, that's what I do in my spare time. Excellent. Uh, a th- very thorough answer. I like it. Um, Patrick, can you just tell us one more time where people can find you? Yes. So you can catch me on the website, Breed Trust Flow. I'm just going to say this because it caught me out a few times. <laughs> Breed with an E. Yeah. <laughs> Breed with an E. It's not Brett Trust yeah. Flow. I was setting up my website. I actually put in Brett Trust Flow and I had to do it again. It's like, fuck. So, uh, so it's breedtrustflow.com and that's my website and then you can catch me on Instagram which is at Breathe Trust Flow that's it you can catch me there if you go into my Instagram you'll see stuff that I'm doing if you go into my yeah. link tree on my Instagram you'll see links to stuff that I'm doing if you go into my website you'll see a full list of stuff that I'm doing um, and again else? podcast doing my doing my thing on all the podcast platforms yeah, yeah, well I have on SoundCloud spot for you that's yeah. about right um, but you catch it there yeah doing my thing podcast and I've have I have 50 episodes out 
hoping to get 51 done now on Monday. Uh, and the thing about the podcast, I go off the whim. There's no real structure. If I have something <laughs> on, I'll just get it going. If I can get a guest on, happy days. If not, I'll just do it myself. Um, what else then? Yeah, that's really it. You can catch cool. me down the beach every now and again. You catch me at festivals. If anybody ever wants to reach out to me, just reach out. Exactly. Um, yeah. Patrick, you've been an absolutely brilliant guest. Uh, very fascinating and entertaining. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Eric, it's been a pleasure. And uh, thanks for listening. It's uh, it's great to be on a podcast. It's been a since it's been on a podcast now. Uh, no, it was, so. it was great. And I, I look, I, I hope more people uh, have you on and, and particularly follow uh, follow you up on wherever it is like they want to see on your website and Instagram because I think a lot of people will learn from you. Uh, could you stick with me for one minute? I'll close yeah, it out, get a quick photo and we'll, we'll be on our way. Is that right? Thank you very much. I also have to thank John for doing his uh, technical side of things for me I always thank my mum and dad granddad Jaron Calvin for helping me with the podcast and with life in general uh, we are on YouTube subscribe to that if you would uh, Instagram Facebook and Twitter and then like we were saying there about podcast platforms we're on Spotify uh, we're also on um, Apple Anchor and yeah you'll find all the ones under Anchor anyway um, most of all a big thanks to anybody who's tuned in watched or, or listened and once again Patrick thank you so much thank you bro. Uh, we will see everyone else, uh, as the title of the podcast suggests, um, next week. Uh, if I-